With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Hello and welcome to the Pants Party. My name is Max Bracky. I'm a magic managing editor at Blackheart Gold Pants. Along with me today, Harrison Starr. But hey, the big news this week for Iowa is the bowl is announced. And Iowa, although many speculated they would be going to Nash Vegas, Nashville, Tennessee, they will be heading to New York City, the Big Apple, for the Pinstripe Bowl. Uh, so let's just get right into it. Uh, Harrison, what are your thoughts on Pinstripe Bowl, and is that kind of, you know, a bowl that you're interested in watching? My thoughts on the Pinstripe Bowl are, finally, Iowa plays a team of their caliber in a bowl game. Uh, So much of what's happened kind of the last seven years, uh, maybe even going back further if we'd like to. I haven't gone into all the bowl data, but to me, it seems like, given the Big Ten's uh, set up with the bowl situations and um, Iowa's general uh, place in the hierarchy uh, as it pertains to some of the other schools in their caliber, um, Northwestern specifically. Uh, this is a situation where I think we would have seen uh, Iowa potentially jump Northwestern, but the Big Ten's been doing uh, a lot better uh, in terms of kind of making sure that uh, certain schools don't go to certain areas uh, as much as they normally would, limiting the amount of times they go to a specific bowl. Uh, so I thought maybe it might benefit Iowa and they might get uh, to Nashville. But I do think um, kind of the elephant in the room is Iowa hurting themselves in terms of Nashville. If Iowa had just rolled over and lost to Ohio State, <laughs> we're probably all planning our trips to Nash Vegas. Yeah, and you know what? That is probably true. A six and six Iowa team. I mean, that's it's it's hard to say because they would have finished the year six and six at that point, and then I feel like they would have definitely gone down to a you know the bottom tier of the Bulls. Um, I I completely agree with you uh, about the fact that you said that Iowa's final playing a team of their caliber. Normally, you know, they because you know Ohio State and. Michigan State, I guess that Iowa played uh, Stanford when they were 12 and 1 that season. But Iowa's, you know, always had to face better teams because the Big Ten has actually been pretty top heavy in this, you know, playoff era. And because of that, they've, you know, been jumping up tiers in order to make up for the fact that Iowa has to have multiple teams in the New Year's Six Bowls. And so, you know, it's finally they're playing a team that's seven and five. They did finish the season five and one, uh, Boston College, of course. But uh, they, 
you know, I'm I'm kind of happy about it. They aren't playing, you know, and like nine and three LSU team like they did, you know, a few years back when they were seven and five. It's not a bad matchup. It's going to be defense versus defense, and I'm excited about that. Kind of honestly, it should be fun. Yeah, I'm definitely excited about it. I guess kind of my one excited, relatively speaking. I'm excited now because I think it's a game that they have a chance to win. But what kind of scares me about it is. Naturally, Iowa finally playing a team of their caliber, and guess who's on the coaching staff? Someone (laughs) who probably knows Kirk Ferentz even better than Kirk Ferentz and Jim Reed. I know he's only been around, uh, he was only around Iowa City for about four years, maybe five, Um, but still, he kind of knows the way Kirk thinks, he knows the way uh, Ferentz is going to game plan, uh, at least uh, in terms of keeping the game close so um not only does he know that but boston college is also a 3-4 defense um which iowa has had mixed results against uh which is probably um giving them a little too much credit they've really struggled uh, against some of the teams that are more like boston college i would suspect in in terms of wisconsin uh, who are on another level defensively. Uh, but even North Dakota State, they played a 3-4 last year, and really Iowa wasn't ready for it, and they had you know kind of the whole offseason to prepare for it. So um, I'm excited that Iowa has a chance to win this game. I think it's going to be uh, play a little more into their um, wheelhouse in terms of being up in New York instead of uh, sunny Florida or California potentially. Um, so the elements... You know, we'll even it out a little bit more. Um, but, uh, of course, there's the Jim Reed factor. Uh, what else has you uh, kind of maybe specifically excited about this game, Max? Uh, you, know, I'm, you know, it's the fact that, you know, you, you actually said that Wisconsin's defense is on another level. The Boston College's defense is actually absolutely fascinating because they're really good. They were one of the top defenses in the country last year. They followed it up again this year. And even offensively, Boston College plays a lot like Iowa. They have one of the most Iowa running backs ever. A.J. Dillon is a freshman. Uh, you rushed for 1,500 yards this season. Uh, you know, it's going to be fun. It's going to be two teams that want to do the exact same thing against each other. They're going to want to run the ball offensively. It's going to basically be like looking in a mirror because Boston College really is the ACC version of Iowa. And, you know, the fact that they do have Jim Reed over there uh, as their defensive coordinator. You know, that's kind of shows that they're going to have that same mentality defensively as well. And the Daisy is a really good coach. You know, he, you know, relates to his players. Well, they don't really like, it's kind of the same thing that goes on here with him, with uh, him at Boston college is, uh, you know, they were talking about how they were going to can him this year. And now he's finishing the season five and one. And they're like, Oh, well maybe this isn't so bad. Uh, and you know, I don't, he hasn't really gotten over the hump. They were seven and five last year with one of the top defenses in the country, seven and five this year. And their defense is once again, stellar. Uh, they have a lot of this, a lot of similarities to Iowa. And that's That should be interesting just because Iowa usually does pretty well against, uh, teams that are like them and they struggle with teams that aren't, as we know, we've seen in the past with Stanford, uh, what was it? Uh, Tennessee. Um, why can't I think of who they played last year? Uh, oh, Florida, of course. Oh, yeah, Florida. Yeah, this, 
not really like anybody because who even really knows what a Florida team is at this point. Yeah, I think uh, I think athletically there isn't going to be much of a difference between these teams, which is what we've seen really hit her Iowa in the past, uh, at least specifically with SEC schools. Uh, maybe the speed's a little faster because those three, four defenses do fly around. Um, but uh, overall, I'm a little excited. And, and I guess uh, Iowa finishing seven and five, obviously it, it could have gone a little better. And, um, you know, there were some wins maybe left on the table. But the more I kind of think about it, the more you look at Iowa's landscape in terms of kind of what they're paying Kirk Ferentz, uh, and Scott Frost coming on board with really no track record, if we're being honest. Yeah, he took UCF to 11-0, and but it was kind of a one-off thing, very P.J. Fleckian, uh, if you will. <laughs> so uh, I'm curious to see, you know, just how, uh, how much that affects um, Nebraska. And, and he's, he's through 2024, Nebraska's going to pay him more than I was scheduled to pay Kirk Ferentz. And to me, that that kind of says it all. Um, you know, there there are the schools out east that are now um, between uh, Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State, Nebraska now. So Kirk Ferentz is about the fifth or sixth um, highest paid coach. And I think, you know what, he, when you put it in that frame of reference, it, it isn't so bad. Um, yes, it's a lot of money, but uh, I think it's okay. Yeah, you touched on it a little bit. Let's kind of, you know, we intended on just talking about bowls to start off with, but let's talk about Scott Frost in Nebraska really quick. How do you feel about that move? Or does that kind of scare you at all that Scott Frost is at Nebraska? Do you know, do you feel pretty safe about it? What are your thoughts on that? I think it's more, I want to see it on the field before, <laughs> before I have any true thoughts. Um, I know that uh, when um, Nebraska came into the Big Ten, they're like, hey, we want the Big Ten to adjust to us. And that is something that Scott Frost said basically word for word. Um, so I had show it and then I'll believe it. Um, that, that's kind of what it is with, uh, with my thoughts on Frost. Do you have anything kind of crazy? I know you're full of takes. <laughs> uh, I don't really have a huge take. I kind of agree. Um, I... I'm not afraid of him by the fact that his defenses haven't been very good at UCF. And, you know, that's kind of what Riley's problem was this year. His offense had a bunch of playmakers. Uh, They don't really, they struggled in the trenches and on offense specifically, but, you know, their defense was absolutely horrid. And that's, that ended up really being what screwed Nebraska in the end. But uh, I just think it's amazing how Nebraska fans were so downtrodden and, you know, hopeless like a week ago or you know a couple weeks ago and now suddenly like the day that he uh signed this contract a couple days ago now when that everybody's going to be hearing this uh (laughs) he uh and now everybody's like oh yes this is we have a champion as as our coach he's going to take us back to the promised land i can't wait for you know this all to happen it's like you guys were just talking about how the 90s were over and now suddenly the 90s are 100% back with your national champion quarterback from 1997. It's just absolutely hilarious to me that, you know, they've fallen right back into their own trap. I do agree with that. And uh, I had one Nebraska alum at my, my old job, and she, was, she went there uh, around the same time that 
that Scott Frost was there and verbatim, she was like, we didn't like him. Yeah. When, when, when he was there. <laughs> so now he's kind of, he brought them a national championship in 97. He's gone his own path and now he's the prodigal son returning. I mean, not really because they, they didn't particularly care for him. So it's, it's just funny how, how life changes. And there was one thing interesting that I saw come out where he's like, I don't want to involve my family with this. And I immediately thought of Fred Hoiberg in Ames. And, uh, you know, it, it was a fishbowl for all of Fred Hoiberg's family. Like his wife and son were getting approached when they would go to the grocery store. It was like, that was part of the situation that led to him going to the NBA. So I, I, I think it's, might be a similar situation with Scott Frost, but we'll see. Yeah, you were saying that uh, that you know Nebraska fans or Nebraska didn't really like Scott Frost when he was there as a quarterback. I was somebody told me this joke the other day, and it was something along the lines of, "What is something that both farmers and Nebraska fans hate when Frost is on their field?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. I like yeah, that a lot. I thought that was pretty funny. I had never heard that one before. I'm sure that. Uh, some of the older folks, if there are any of them listening to our podcast, they'll they might remember that joke. But for the younger crowd, that one was for you. Uh, <laughs> but that's a good one. I really like that. But uh, yeah, even my boss today, though my boss is a huge Nebraska fan. I've talked about this in the past couple of weeks. Um, you know, before and after the Nebraska game, uh, he he was like, you know, I'm really excited. He's you know gonna. I was like, as they haven't been great defensively, it seems. It's like, but don't worry. He can't get that kind of talent at UCF. He's going to be able to get that kind of talent at Nebraska. And UCF is in the middle of a recruiting hotbed. So I'm not – yeah, Nebraska, you know, they have, you know, whatever. They have that tradition. They have, you know, their sea of red, whatever. But if you can't get, you know, solid defensive players from the middle of Florida, I I don't know if, what to tell you, bud. Yeah, I think that kind of goes back to the Nebraska area arrogance. I mean, you you can get some athletes in in UCF, and I think that is you know, to, to Frost credit that is what part of what he was building. Sure. Um, but I don't, I just don't think that the Nebraska name carries what it used to, and I don't think that's a hot take. I think that just kind of a fact when they last won a national championship, which was it even two thousand one? I mean. Uh, Those kids were no. That was Miami, wasn't it? That was two thousand two. Oh, yeah, right. But basically, I get, my my point is, you know, these kids weren't that they're recruiting. They weren't alive, and if they were alive, they have no recollection of the glory days of Nebraska football. So, uh, I, I think it'll be interesting to see if he can rekindle that. I think it was more of a fan base play than uh, a true um, assessment of where. Nebraska is and kind of playing to that. So um, we'll see. Maybe he's able to change the Big Ten. I don't think so, but maybe. Yeah, I, I have my doubts as well. Um, anyway, back to our little bowl discussion. That was a nice little, you know, side side conversation. Uh, back to the bowl discussion. Do you think that Iowa fans are going to show up in New York City for this one? Do you th- I don't know how, what the ticket allotment is for Iowa, um, but... I can't imagine. You think they'll they'll sell seventy five percent, fifty percent? What is the number you think is you know pretty accurate or fair to say? I think um, I think it's going to really come down to the East Coast fans. I mean, Iowa fans are all over the place, but it's going to really be 
um, the people in kind of the New York area, which aren't many, um, but from New York all the way down to D.C., surely there's a, a, enough of a fan base and enough of a presence that Iowa will be able to sell their allotment. Um, but kind of to what the, the comments were showing, there really wasn't a huge desire to go to New York City during Christmas time when it's it's most expensive. Um, but it's also, you know, just a, a small segment of uh, the Iowa fan base. There, there are obviously people who are going to go to any bowl Iowa goes to. Um, but I, I think the the cost of it is going to be in terms of doing it right, which is what you want to do when you go to New York sure. City. It's going to be tough um, for for anyone just because it, it is such an expensive city. Uh, on top of you know having to get out there, um, it's not really drivable like Nashville is, and um, it's it's a it's not a fun time to travel. Quite like New Year's. No, I I, I would agree with that. Um, there's a lot of people complaining about how Iowa didn't get picked for the Music City Bowl and how they were so excited for Nashville and, you know, all this stuff. And I honestly, like, the only upside to Nashville, there's two upsides, I guess. The first would have been it's a pretty drivable distance and there's a really good music scene there if you're into that kind of thing. But otherwise, you know, I don't really... There's a lot of people who are complaining about New York just, for, I think, for the sake to complain about how they think that the pinstripe bowl sucks. Um, I, it's not the best Big Ten bowl, but that's what you get when your team finishes a season seven and five. Uh, you know, that's you're not going to get to go to whatever bowl. Just last year, everybody was complaining about how Iowa was sent back to uh, the Outback Bowl. They were just like, "Oh, we don't want to go back to Florida." Well. This isn't Florida, folks. You you guys got your wish, I guess. But, I mean, people are, you know, I think they're just, everybody's just coming up with every excuse in the book. They're like, oh, well, New York is cold. Nashville's going to maybe be 10 degrees warmer, if anything. Uh, New York is really expensive. Nashville is, I think, the most expensive city to travel to. You know, it's just, I think it's just a lot of complaining. I think that fans will decide that they're going to show up, uh, I just looked it up. Um, I was going to get 7,500 tickets for the game. So they could probably sell, I think, 5,000 of those from the allotment. And who knows? There could probably be, you know, so many more that just buy from the bowl itself. Yeah, I think 7,500 isn't that no, many. Um, but it, it, it'll be a little tough just because of the distance. We'll see. I mean, I'm. You know, I also think kind of the the thing about uh, New York is that there isn't quite the same camaraderie that you get when you go to New York. It's not like, you know, there's one strip right. where you're going to just be constantly running into Iowa fans. I think that's probably something that people don't necessarily like as well, and which is a little, uh, you know, to, to bring up another team to the West. I mean, good on Iowa State. Like, they're able to go to Memphis and they're able to, you know, really – find a single location it, it's up on it's it's upon iowa fans to try and do the same in new york even though it's a little harder so um i think that's also part of the reason that that fans aren't quite as excited yeah. but hey yeah no I, I was gonna say i mean every they took so much pride in the fact that they're like hey you know we uh we took over pasadena when we went to the rose bowl we took over indianapolis when we went for the big 10 championship game you know, they enjoy taking over stuff. And I don't blame them. It's fun to, you know, go out there and party with a bunch of Iowa fans. You know, I'm not saying anything 
try, I'm not trying to sound negative or, you know, try to bash anybody who has these feelings just because I, I you know, like I get some of it, uh, you know, and I think that a lot of it has to do with the fact that New York's a big city and uh, not all Iowans are, you know, down for big cities. They really like Des Moines. Des Moines is a great city. Uh, but yeah, I mean, was it Iowa State went to the Pinstripe Bowl in 2011, was it? And I think that they actually did a pretty solid job selling their ticket allotment. I mean, then again, they don't go to bowls very often, but uh, so, it's, you know, they all, their fans, I think, try to get out there or tried to get out there whenever they'd make a bowl. But <sighs> I don't know. It's I've, I have mixed feelings on it. I think that it's a fine bowl. It'll be a fine time. If you decide to go out there, I'm sure that you can have a great time. I just think there's a lot of complaining about it. Yeah, we like to covet, I think. <laughs> I mean, it's we we. I think as Iowa fans, we always take kind of what we see, and see it just. I mean, glass glass half half empty, which you know is fine. I I, I think, but part part of the reason we do that is I, I had my hopes so high for. For basketball this year and look what that's got me uh, <laughs> so I mean uh, they got what they deserved in this bowl game and um, I think they they have a team that they can beat on the schedule and I think they're they might you know actually try and change some things up so we'll see yeah I definitely agree um, as you said at the beginning of the of the pod if Iowa really wanted to go to Nashville maybe they should have lost to uh, Ohio State or maybe just beat them by one instead of beating them by 31. Because, <laughs> yeah. geez, that's, that was a fun conversation on Twitter. Do you kind of take any pride in the fact that, uh, you know, your team, the Iowa Hawkeyes, the team you root for, knocked the team out of the playoff and, you know, are basically the sole reason they didn't make it? Or, you know, are you kind of mad about the Ohio State Buckeyes not being part of the playoff, even though they're conference champions and Bama didn't even play uh, in their game? I mean, I just think this is kind of something that that was going to happen when when Ohio State was selected over Penn State last year. I thought that was like a pretty obvious choice to, you know, Penn State, their only loss, I think, last year. or No, they had two losses. They had kind of the big one to pit, which I guess was probably the equivalent to um, the Ohio State-Iowa game. Um, but then they also lost big to Michigan, who was really good when, when the two played. But Ohio State got in despite not winning the conference, despite a head-to-head loss to Penn State. So I, I, I think it's a different situation a little bit. But I also think that even though they say that they don't look to the past years, I think it's a lot easier to be like, well, we let Ohio State in last year without winning the conference championship, and um, we we can do the same with Alabama this year. Um, I think overall, though, I think it th- this type of thing doesn't really affect Iowa, in my opinion. Iowa, the only path to a championship for Iowa is just the Big Ten championship. Like, yeah. not even that. That's the only thing that Iowa can control, and that's been the goal for all of Kirk Ferentz's time here. He's accomplished it a few times 13 years ago. But um, I, I think that's always why that's the, their number one goal. He doesn't give a rat's tail about uh, the, uh, the non-conference games. We've seen that time and again. <laughs> he doesn't really 
You mean the preseason? You know, give a care about the bowl games. Yeah, the preseason, exactly. So um, I, I think Iowa's goal is always going to be the Big Ten Championship and whatever hap- happens after that happens. Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously, I think that, I mean, I don't think, that, I, I think there's a lot of people who say that Kirk Ferentz is disinterested in winning. I don't think that's true. I think that he'd love to win a bowl game, but I think that he also doesn't see it as, you know, a necessary thing to do. Um, you know, like if they lose, I don't think that he thinks it's the end of the world to lose the bowl game. I think he wants to win them. I don't think he wants to lose any games, but you know, he, he certainly works a certain way and he's not going to change that for anybody to, you know, to his credit or to, you know, the, um, his detriment, his credit or debit. Yeah. I mean, I think Stoops hit it on on the head with his kind of seven-year itch thing. Um, You know, this is the third cycle of seven years with Kirk Ferentz um, and another seven-win regular season. Uh, I think what's good and bad, I think the the bad thing is that kind of having this level of um, consistency – for better or for worse, without much flair, I think that um, that maybe uh, builds a little bit of apathy. But I also think it it never builds true anger, um, except in significant situations. So I think next year is going to be a big year uh, in terms of the overall trend line of Iowa football. Yeah, that for better or for worse, because. Man, that's it's going to be an interesting year. The defense is going to be almost completely rebuilding. So next year is going to be an interesting one in Iowa City, that's for sure. But that's that's a top for a different day, different podcast. But yeah, I think that's enough bull talk for now. Um, and you know, this is just a quick, short episode this week. So nice little talk about the bull. Um, we'll get you some hoops talk sometime later this week, maybe early next week, hopefully. Thank you for listening to The Pants Party, week 15, 16. We're somewhere in that range at this point. Please comment, rate, subscribe, you know, do all that good stuff. Help us develop a little bit more of a following amongst our Iowa fans. Share our podcast with your friends, families, your grandmothers, your mothers, your two-year-olds. Share it with everybody that you know. And yeah, thank you for listening and go Hawks! Oh, 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 oh,